What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Today on What Got You There Sean talks with comedian Paul Mercurio after graduating Georgetown Law School with high honors, Paul worked as a lawyer on Wall Street at a top-tier international law firm and as an investment banker, executing multi-billion dollar M&A transactions for Fortune 100 companies. While on Wall Street, Paul was hired by Jay Leno to write jokes for The Tonight Show. After living a secret double life as a Wall Street lawyer slash banker by day and a comedian by night, Paul left Wall Street to go into the entertainment industry full time. If he didn't, he would have had a nervous breakdown trying to keep his two worlds separate. It has definitely been a hard road to the successful comedic career Paul has today, but one he wouldn't change. One of the newest sponsors of the podcast and one of my favorite brands right now is Viore Clothing. Viore is the perfect performance apparel for anyone who loves yoga, surfing, hiking, being active, or in the weight room. They combine innovative fabrics with cool finishes that really feel good and are great for the environment. I would head over to vioreclothing.com. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com to receive 25% off. Yes, that's 25% off your first order. Use discount code WGYT. And if at any point you're not satisfied with the purchase, send it back. That's 25% off your order with 100% satisfaction guaranteed at vioreclothing.com. If you're like me and love to travel, then listen up. Are you looking to get outside your comfort zone in 2018? Are you tired of the monotony of your nine to five job with no adventure? Do you wanna connect with new people on Epic Adventures? If so, then Globekick is what you're looking for. Globekick is redefining travel for the millennial generation. Globekick knows that memorable travel is built on the quality of the experience you have and the people you connect with along the way. That's why their members can choose from curated travel experiences throughout the year with like-minded people. Unlike other travel providers, Globekick members get to know each other through a private social network before choosing when and where they travel together. In 2018, they've teamed up with partners around the world to feature a Sahara Desert camping trip out of Morocco in May, a boating journey through the Sandblast Islands in the Caribbean in August, and a volunteering trip to an elephant sanctuary outside of Cambodia in December. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then head to globekick.com and enter WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. That's globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining us on What Got You There. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. You are a funny guy, so I'm really looking forward to this one. I oh, mean, thanks. Yeah, you, you have an interesting path to say the least. I mean, starting out... Uh, Wall Street lawyer, investment banker, and then ended up into a comedian. What did you think you were going to be as a kid, though? <laughs> I actually, uh, I wanted to be a male hooker, but uh, <laughs> my father saw my uh, what God gave me, if you know what I mean. He said, it's never going to happen for you, kid. It's never going to happen. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, you can uh, always dream, though, right? You can dream, but, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You have a very small, uh, small penis, <laughs> so it's not going to happen. Um, so that's the kind of father I had. He was honest. It was a tough love, as they say. No, I thought I actually wanted to be a carpenter. I loved working, doing carpentry work and working with my hands and stuff like that. And, um, and so I really thought like that was going to be what I would do. And then my father who put floors in for a living and, you know, um, 
they also own a small furniture pet store. My parents, uh, well, my dad passed away, but my mom still runs it. She's 91. He's like, no, nah, you're not going to do that. You're going to do something, you know, with your head. You're not going to use your hands and kill yourself. Like my body's breaking down from all the, you know, the labor that I've been doing. So I started to think about, well, you know, I liked business, so maybe I'd be an accountant. And then I decided, and I was an accounting economics major, and then I just uh, and I got offered to work in accounting firms. And I was like, well, I want to do law. So I went to law school with the idea that, like, you know, law is a good degree to have and you could try different things. And, you know, and maybe it wouldn't be law, it'd be something, you know, business related or law related in business. Ended up being corporate law. I did M&A went to Wall Street to do corporate law, and I started doing a lot of M&A deals, mergers and acquisition deals. And, uh, uh, but with no like plan or anything to go into comedy, although I loved watching comedy when I was a kid, I begged my parents to stay up late, you know, to try to, you know, watch as much as I could on like the Tonight Show or, the, you know, any of that, like anytime there was a stand-up that would be on, I'd beg my parents, can I please stay up late? Can I please stay up late? And then I, uh, I like watch and, you know, then I, I go back to my, uh, back, I go to school the next day and I'd like imitate, uh, you know, the comedians that I saw that night get a lot of laughs from my friends. They thought, oh, this guy's so funny, you know. So I remember that feeling of like, hey, these people are laughing at me, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to go into comedy now, you know? <laughs> like were, I just, mean, were you a funny guy or were you just pretty good at stand-up in the classroom? Um, I mean, I was funny. I was kind of sarcastic. I mean, I grew up in kind of a tough neighborhood, so you used comedy as a way to avoid getting the crap beat out of you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, So I was like always funny around like people and stuff like that, but I, and you know, I like I, in high school, I hosted like a, um, a new talent night. And, uh, that's where my, now my wife first saw me and she's like, Oh, that guy's funny. Who is that? And, uh, so that's kind of like how it started, if you will. But like, again, it wasn't, Oh, I'm going to, this is going to be my career path and I'm going to do this now. It was never anything like that. It was just, I look back and like the signs are there that I was really interested in this, but I didn't really consciously say, oh, okay, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, you know? Yeah. I mean, so you end up get, getting into investment banking then. I mean, did you enjoy that at all? I mean, that's a pretty tough lifestyle with those 80, 90 hour work weeks. <laughs> I know. I like, <laughs> I like the, the, your voice. Like, did you enjoy, oh my God, did you enjoy that? That is disgusting. Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I, I kind of, um, I don't know. How do you put it? Like, I kind of, uh, you know, I'm like a middle-class kid from Rhode Island and here I am like working on, uh, these like major merger deals that were literally like on the cover of the wall street journal and stuff like that. And it's like, how do I, how did this happen? How did I get here doing this? You know what I mean? It was kind of surreal. And, uh, and I, I, you know, uh, you, these, a lot of these were sort of hostile deals too, like hostile tender offers and things like that. And like, so you're working these, they all literally all nighters, we call them, you know, so you'd be, you'd have your, you know, you'd, you'd get in and you'd be working all day. And then you, uh, you basically go home for an hour or two and shower and shave and go back. And so it became this like, um, 
it was just, it was literally like a 24 seven job, which wasn't terrible. You know what I mean? Because like I said, it was like a pretty unique, it was like a pretty unique thing. Like the kind of stuff that I was working on and everything else was pretty like, wow, I'm getting to do this. This is crazy. You know? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm assuming so. Yeah. I mean, you were even doing deals with guys like T Boone Pickens, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I, um, uh, I basically, you know, I, I, I'm doing these deals and I'm, and I'm, you know, and I'm not hating it. You know what I mean? It's not like these are horrible, horrible, like it, but it was a lot of work and it started to get redundant and like routine in a way too, though. That was, that's what I figured out to be one of the problems was like, it was, I kind of felt a little bit like I was on, um, uh, I don't know. I kind of say like a treadmill in a way, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like yeah, almost like a groundhog's day, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Like, you know, because what ended up happening was, um, you do a deal and that's great. And then you do another deal and that's great. And then you do another deal, but they start to kind of bleed together a little bit, you know, and, uh, one starts to feel like another, like another. And, and so it starts to feel very, um, very redundant, very like, oh, okay, I've done this already, you know, okay, I've done this already and I've done this already. And then it just, you just don't, you feel kind of like you're literally on this like treadmill. And so you start to go, I think subconsciously like, oh, maybe there's something else. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something else I can do. It'll be a little bit more exciting or interesting. And so you, you start to kind of get stuck in this kind of rut, you know, even though you're not, it's not clear that you are in a rut, you kind of start to, I think, subconsciously feel like you're in a rut. And so what you're doing is you're, I, I was like, you know, and I was traveling a lot too, by the way, like I'm, you spend like a couple of weeks in a town because part of what you do is with M&A is you kind of, you 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 have to learn about the company that you're going to buy or sell or whatever and so you end up having like a lot of uh a lot of time with a company r- ripping through their financials and all this other stuff and trying to figure out like okay well what what are they uh you know what what are they all about like what makes them so you're literally learning about new businesses and new industries which is also kind of cool you know what i mean so and I'm making good money and I bought an apartment on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and was like living comfortably and everything else. So I kind of, you know, I kind of had things nice and set in a way, you know. Start treating yourself a little bit there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, and then you start going, okay, well, am I going to am I going to give all this up? Uh, uh and I'm like, nah, you know, you don't even, I, you know, at that point I was, I wasn't really even starting to do stand up at that point. I'm just sort of like, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing the stand up. I'm, I'm working as hard as I can work. Um, putting a lot of hours in. I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of dissing, you know, the idea of doing what I was doing. I just, uh, you know, I just basically said, this is, I guess what, I'm going to do and what I should do and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's where I am, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, and then, uh, when I, but I was in law school, I was, um, writing, 
I was writing like show ideas and uh, that kind of stuff. Like I was, um, I had a, uh, uh, like not show ideas, but like short film ideas, stuff like that, you know? And, uh, and it was weird because I didn't know what I was going to do with them, but I was just writing these things for some reason they were sort of coming out of me, you know? And, uh, and so I'm writing these things and, and as I'm writing them, uh, I'm getting more and more into it, but again, I'm not planning it in any particular way. And then I started writing jokes like as a hobby. And, uh, and again, I'm not sure why, but what I did do when I got out of law school was I bought a, a film camera, a, a video camera to start filming and making short films. And, uh, I made a couple and then, uh, and then I ended up like, uh, getting one of them into uh, one of the big festivals like uh uh and i here i was i lied at work and said that i was uh i had to go home to help my mother who wasn't feeling well and i was at uh a festival in aspen colorado where my film was being shown and completely like you know essentially lying to my firm like oh yeah i'm over here doing this and like <laughs> <laughs> i mean so you must have put a little bit of time into these films huh i mean if, if you're yeah, going to take them this, out to aspen yeah this film cost me twelve thousand dollars to make it was uh it was about um it was just a silly film like a short film but i shot it on black and white um and uh did it on 16 millimeter i wanted it to look a lot like a regular film as close as possible and I used uh, actually the same editor that uh, does a lot of the editing for Louis C.K. stuff, and uh, and basically, you know, it came out it came out well. It, like it looked good, and people seemed to like it. And so I uh, I basically I'm sitting in this movie theater, and here my film is being shown, and like it, you know, it's sort of like you. You know, when you go see a movie, you see a movie, right? And then suddenly on this thing where you've seen movies your whole life is a, uh, is your movie. And it was really weird and really surreal. And so I ended up becoming obsessed with writing more short film ideas. And I even got to go to, at that festival, I got to go to a festival, um, a, a, um, uh, a dinner, a luncheon, which was thrown for all the young filmmakers. <laughs> and, uh, at the luncheon was, uh, Albert Brooks and Spike Lee and the Hudlin brothers. And, uh, and here I am, this uh, investment banker lawyer guy and pretending to be this other thing. And I'm having, you know, I'm sitting with these people and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? This is bizarre, <laughs> right? You know, like I don't belong here. And, and then I go back to, uh, I go back to, uh, New York and working my job, you know, doing <laughs> M&A deals. And, and then I started writing jokes as a hobby for some reason. I don't know why, but I was like, I just anything comedy was like kind of coming out of me. And I, I couldn't quite figure out what that was about, but that's what was happening. And, uh, and so that's kind of when I, um, started to kind of keep like a file with jokes and stuff in it like that at work. <laughs> like I mean, was, when you start writing these jokes, are you kind of thinking, Hey, maybe this comedy thing, something I'm going to try out or was it purely just, Hey, I enjoy writing jokes. I'm going to keep doing it. 
Um, it's a good question. You know, I think initially I was, uh, I think initially I was, uh, uh, just doing it to do it, you know? And then, um, and then over time I basically, I think started thinking, Oh, like maybe I could get these to somebody to do them or get them on a TV show or something, you know? And, uh, um, and so I, but again, like there was no, there was no like, Oh, okay. I have a plan here. It was just sort of all kind of unfolding, you know? And, uh, and so, um, I, I basically was keeping a, uh, passworded file <laughs> with all my jokes in it at work. The employee and of the funny. month right there. There you go. And years years later, I, I ran in at alumni function. I ran into uh, one of the uh, people that ran that uh, IT department where all the all the doc, all the documents would get word processed. And uh, this guy said, "I want to thank you." He goes, "You entertained me a lot." And I said, "Well, I had the back door key to get into everybody's file because your jokes at night. It's crazy." Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and so. Then I got to see Jay Leno at a private function. Uh, our firm got invited to something, and uh, I went up to him and said, "Look, I don't know if you need jokes, but I got these jokes, and I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And you can have them." And he took my jokes, and he was like, uh, <laughs> "He came so funny. It was like because I liked watching him on when he was uh, a guest on Letterman show, and I liked to stand up and." And then he was on the on the um, oh what's it, what you call it? he he was on you know he had the, he hosted the Tonight Show and so like I'm like uh, I don't know if you need these jokes but you can have them I don't really need them and blah 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 and he took them and he was really nice and I just thought well he's just gonna take these jokes and um, you know he's gonna just like uh, he's just gonna you know throw him away essentially like i didn't really think he was going to do a whole heck of a lot with him you know i mean I just, was there like a little bit of hope that hey maybe he actually will start using some of these on the show yeah a little bit like um, i mean because i feel like that's got to take some balls at this function there and i mean he's got to be one of the biggest comedian or comedic celebrities at the time yeah i i absolutely yeah and um and so um i you know i kind of I don't know. I think I just thought that, you know, there's a, um, uh, how do how can I put it? Like, I, I feel, I think I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to like give him these jokes and maybe he'll take one and maybe he'll do one of them in his, in his stand up routine, I think is what is, I think is what I, I thought, you know? And, um, and so what ends up happening is, uh, he calls me the next day and he says, Hey, I'll, I'll hire you to send in, I, I read your stuff. And not only did he say, I want to use it, but I, um, I'll, I'll send this stuff for the tonight show model. You can send this stuff for the tonight show monologue and I'll use it there. And, uh, I'm like, is this a joke? And I really thought it was my friend pretending to be Jay Leno and kind of punking me, you know? <laughs> and so I said, you know, really funny, uh, uh David, you too, you, you do a lousy Jay Leno. And he goes, 
And he goes, what? I go, he goes, no, this is Jay Leno. I go, yeah, right. I go, no. He goes, he goes, no, really, it's Jay Leno. And I just was like, I actually said to Jay Leno, you do a lousy Jay Leno. <laughs> That's a lot. And, and so. That's a good uh, start with that relationship, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm a real people person, you know? And, uh, and so, um, and so that's kind of how, so then he took the jokes and, um, I, you know, um, I basically started writing and sending him jokes and then he called me one day and said, I'm going to do one of your jokes on the tonight show. And, um, and I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. And he did one of my jokes that night on the tonight show. Uh, and, um, I mean, what's that moment like? I mean, here you are, you're just writing jokes in your free time. And then all of a sudden you got your show on the, or your uh, joke on the tonight show. You celebrating a bit there? Yeah, a little bit. I'm a little, <laughs> uh, I'm a little excited. I'm, uh, I'm a little like, I remember sitting down and watching it with, we got, got a bottle of champagne and I'm watching it pop the cork and, uh, and suddenly, um, um, there's my joke. Like same thing like the movie, you know, it's coming out of the screen and, uh, um, how did this happen kind of thing? You know what I mean? And where, um, um, and, and so I basically, uh, I, I, I was with, who was I with now? Uh, um, I was with my wife who was then my girlfriend and uh, a couple of other friends and they, and then I, after like, why are we watching this? Why are we watching this? And I told them, they were like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, uh, so this was like a total secret, huh? Besides your, uh, your girlfriend at the time. Did anyone else uh, know? No, I mean, I didn't really even tell her I was doing it. And, um, I basically just did it. So yeah. So I see this joke, it blows me away. I'm watching this joke on TV that I wrote. It was like, you know, it was just like seeing my movie in the festival. And, uh, and basically I start to, to write more and more jokes and Leno says, go try the jokes out before you send them to me. And I'm like, how do you do that? And he goes, well, you can go do stand up at these little open mic nights. And I start going to places in the worst parts of New York city. One of them was called, uh, downtown Afghanistan too. Like that was literally the name of the, and, uh, and, uh, and it was literally, like a dysfunctional cheers a hooker worked out of there a pimp worked out of there they sold drugs there there was a sign on the men's room door that said the toilet seats only to be used to go to the bathroom not to cut coke <laughs> thank you the, thank you the management and it literally said thank you the management um i basically was i don't know what i was thinking why i was doing this but <laughs> something had kind of taken hold and i basically um was, you know, trying to figure out, okay, do I want to do this? Is this really going to happen? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I just was like, oh, I'm going to do this and see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you need to get a show made about the, uh, this comedy club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I basically, I basically, I don't know, man, I was just this, it was weird. It was just like, so I start living this secret double life where I'm a lawyer by day and a comic by night. And, um, and, uh, and I basically, <clears throat> I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. Um, 
it was a weird thing, you know, like I look back and it's like, well, to, for me to kind of, for me to kind of like, uh, be doing what I was doing and the kind of work that I was doing. And then on top of it, like, Oh, I'm going to go now dabble instead of like, <laughs> just going to play golf, like most lawyers were doing or whatever. I'm going to go dabble and stand up. It was like, so crazy, bizarre, stupid. I don't know what the word is, you know, but it was definitely like, I look back, it's like, what the hell was I thinking, you know? And, uh, and, and so I would sneak out of work. I go to these places and, and there was an incident at this place one night where you thought this is when I should have just stopped. And I didn't, and that should have been a sign that, you know, I really needed to kind of do this. I was, uh, waiting to go on stage and there was, uh, a scuffle at the pool table. Uh, um, and, and, uh, there was a, uh, I think it was a drug deal going bad or something. And this guy gets cut across like the side of the neck with a box cutter. One guy runs out and, um, and he starts, the other guy who gets cut, starts screaming, he cut me, man, he cut me. And he like, it's just this, like, he's just freaking out. And apparently, uh, they knew each other and this and that. And this guy's bleeding. His girlfriend's crying. There's a guy on stage playing blown in the wind badly. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> like that. So he's screaming, he coming, man, he coming. Girlfriend's crying. And then, and the guy just keeps playing. He got a little friend, my man, blowing in the wind. Like he just keeps playing. And I get to, I'm about to leave. I think the show's over and I hear, all right, you guys ready for some comedy? <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I go on stage and I say, it's nice to be here. I always wanted to follow a slashing. And this guy hears me say slashing who got cut. And he goes, Hey, I don't need to take any crap from you. He's all drug. And he takes, he goes, he goes, I'll kick your ass. And he takes all these bloody napkins and he throws them at me and they stick to my white Brooks Brothers shirt. And uh, You're off to a good start and, here, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I go back to the firm and I think nobody's going to notice my shirt. And I walk into this conference room and, this, and the senior partner of the firm's like, where have you been? What have you been doing? He's screaming at me like your dad screams at you. And he goes, why do you have a blood stain on your shirt? And and I couldn't, I don't know. I figured, okay, my secret's out because I was keeping this a secret from everybody. And, uh, and he's like, uh, I go, uh, uh, and I'm stammering and all of a sudden the lawyer goes, what kind of shirt is I go? It's a, a Brooks brother shirt. He goes, Oh, I know how to get blood out of a Brooks brother shirt. <laughs> and another guy goes, Armani, that's the shirt you want. And I go, are you guys really competing over this? Like, what are you making American psycho in your spare time? Like, what? <laughs> and, and, and that became my life. And I was just having a nervous breakdown because I was trying to keep it from everybody. I was hiding from everybody like, oh, you know, uh, you know, um, I, I, you know, didn't want anybody. I couldn't let anybody in the law firm know that I was doing this. I couldn't let anybody on in the other world know that I was I was a Wall Street lawyer person. You know, they would have asked for money or rolled me or something, you know. And so, like, it just it, it and I I'm trying to keep all things kind of keep it all together without losing my mind. You know, like I would sneak out of work, I'd get in a town car, I'd take my tie, my suit off and try to look as downtown as I could. And I'd go to these dive bars and then I'd dress back up and like some, like some dysfunctional superhero, you know, it was crazy. How was your you know? comedy at the time? Were you pretty good? I mean, comedy is something. Uh, that I, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, you're not very good at that stage. I think you think you're probably better than you are. I was just like, you know, I was just, you know, um, <clears throat> kind of, I think trying not to bomb, you know? And, uh, and so 
I'm living this double life and I'm not telling anybody and I'm trying to decide what I want to do with my life. And like, do I want to go into stint? Now I'm starting to think, well, maybe I want to do this full time, but should I, when am I going to give up all this security? And I'm going back and forth. What do I do? What do I do? And then my father dies unexpectedly and I have to go home to Rhode Island to help run the family furniture business for a while. And I think, okay, I was too much of a coward to make a decision about what I wanted to do. If law or comedy, uh, kind of thing so i'm going to just do this and god pick this and this is what i'll do and uh excuse me and i was home for like five minutes and realized oh my mother's never going to give me the kind of support and the kind of uh you know um not support but like she's gonna my mother said she was going to retire but you're always a child in your parents eyes and she wasn't going to retire she just wanted me to run errands for her because my mother's out of her mind like she (laughs) She locks customers in the store. She forgets they're there she, and she goes and runs an errand. She's locked people in the store for like hours at a time. She, you know, she had to have her car fumigated because she left cheese under the front seat of the car and forgot it was there because she didn't want people to steal the cheese. It was just like, <laughs> and so I quickly realized, well, I couldn't work at home and I had to make the tough decision and I decided to leave. And I, and so I went back to Wall Street. I had taken a leave of absence and I, left and I unraveled my life and I moved to a rooming house in, uh, just outside the city. And it was literally this divey house. I had a 10 by 12 room with a little hot pot on the floor and a little bureau and a little tiny twin bed. And I shared a bathroom in the kitchen with like two ex cons, two recovering addicts and a phone sex operator who sold Herbalife diet products door to door. I'm not making this up. And I started to live the life of a comic and it was, it was exciting for like a month or two. And then it was like, I was getting, you know, working dive bars and I was getting stiffed on money and I'm like, what am I doing? And why am I here? And, uh, and you know, like what's, what's the, what's the payoff? And, you know, um, and I, uh, I, I'm like, well, like it, it, I look back, it's like, I don't even know why I stayed like for five minutes, you know, like, let alone like all this, all this, it it was just insane. It was just a weird, like, I I literally look at what I was doing now and I'm like, how did I continue to do that and why? And, (laughs) you know, did you intentionally make that harder on yourself? I mean, staying at that place, did you have any money saved up? I mean, it seems like you went from pretty good life to the worst lifestyle possible. I mean, I had some money saved up, but I wasn't like like totally loaded. So Leno gave me advice, like don't get tied up with a lot of expenses and stuff. Otherwise, you're not going to be doing stand up the right way. And uh, and um, and I basically took that to heart. And I said to myself, I'm just going to try to save as much money or not spend as much money as I possibly can. And so that's how that was the principle behind that. And so I basically, um, you know, I'd go to bars to bars and I was getting stiffed on money. And this one guy, I I would come off stage and the owner wouldn't be there. And I, and now these are people that had control of my life who in my other life, I lost on wall street, practicing law, banking, they wouldn't have been allowed to Xerox documents for me. (laughs) And so, and so, uh, so, and then, uh, I got audited by the IRS and, because I had all this income and then I had no income. And so they basically are like, Oh geez, you know, 
what do you, they, the guy thought, well, where's all the money? What happened? Why did you suddenly have, and I go, I was a lawyer and a banker on Wall Street and I left to be a comedian. He took this long pause. He goes, yeah, right. What'd you do with the money? And he thought I was making up a story. I'm like, no, it's true. And, um, and so, and then my car got flooded and a storm overflowed, uh, the, the, the Long Island Sound where I was living near the, where I was living flooded over, flooded my car. So I was living a horrible life. I was not making any money. I was in this little pit of a place with all these dysfunctional people who were, you know, drunk and on drugs or selling or doing phone sex. And I could hear the woman set calls and they're really gross. So I had to walk around in the middle of freezing cold at night till she was done with her call. It just was like the worst scenario. And I got called by a friend and he said, what are you doing? And he goes, um, doing this and I go I'm doing this and he goes well I'm trying to start a new department of a bank do you want to come and work I'm like no he goes well you can make a quick like $50,000 and I was like oh I don't know and then I went out and I had sold all my suits and everything when I when I decided to go into comedy I kept everything I sold everything except my tv and my car and I went out and I bought another suit and there I was on the train platform looking to my left and right and there were like 40 other guys just exactly like me going to work and I'm going to interview for a job that I don't even know why I'm going and and I basically get a job offer and around the same time that I got the job offer I got a chance to do some stand-up on TV they shot it they didn't tell me when it was going to air I forgot about it I take the job offer but I literally hung up the phone I was crying like knowing that I was going back to something that I didn't think I really wanted to go to, but I was completely lost. Like I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't belong in comedy. That didn't feel comfortable. I wasn't happy on wall street. I wasn't happy working in the family furniture business. I was completely lost, which is like the scariest feeling in the world, you know? And, um, I take the job. I, I recreate my life. I swear off comedy. I'm back on Wall Street. I got another nice apartment. I bought all new suits, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, then within a couple of months, I start doing comedy again, like an alcoholic looking for a drink. And so now I'm right back where I was. Do I, what am I doing? Do I want to be here? Just completely lost, you know? And, um, and then I went to, uh, uh, we were working on a big merger deal in Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, this, uh, this guy who runs the company was like, Hey, I think I saw you on TV last night. He says this in front of like a whole bunch of lawyers and bankers. I'm like, well, he goes, yeah, you were doing some kind of comedy thing. I'm like, oh. and I goes, yeah, you know, you were, no, nah. apparently they aired that thing that I shot and they didn't tell me. <laughs> He saw it and I'm like, oh man. And I'm just waiting to get reamed. And he goes, uh, hey, it was great. He goes, hey, everybody, my lawyer is a, is a comedian. What do you think of that? Isn't that awesome? Puts his arm around me and he wants to send every, have everybody come out and see me do stand up. I'm like, no, 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 we're good. This is all happening in Phoenix, Arizona, where they were headquartered. And it turned out he really liked me because it, that law, that, that, uh, that really humanized me to them. Like, the, the fact that I did uh, comedy, you know, it kind of made me be like a real person to them. And that kind of surprised me. The reaction surprised me. And then that's kind of how it, um, and then, it, then at that point, I'm like, well, maybe I should, I think I needed their approval in some weird way, uh, the people on Wall Street to do this. Because like, then after that, I decided, well, I'm really going to give this a shot and go for it. 
And then I unraveled my life again and I moved to a cheaper apartment again. And, and then I started full time again and kind of stuck with it at that point. But it was, it was a real tumultuous time of a lot of doubts and fears and everything else, but whether or not I should do this full time or not. I mean, are you happy the path you went down kind of the ups and downs? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, this is a hard business though, but yeah, I mean, in the overall, I get to create my own stuff and it's mine. It's just, it's more fulfilling in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned you got back into it full time again. When did you really catch a break? I mean, you, you've done some pretty remarkable stuff in your career so far. When did you really think that, Hey, I'm on to something here. Well, when I got a chance to get hired for the daily show to write on that show, that's when I thought, okay, well, this is kind of cool. But even then I thought the show would get canceled after like, you know, a couple of months. So I wasn't holding up a lot of hope for that, you know? And, um, and so, um, basically that was kind of, uh, that was kind of how it sort of, uh, I don't know how, how do you put it, but like, that was where I kind of started to think, okay, well, there's something pretty good happening here. You know, that, that, that was sort of the, one of the more eye opening uh, like moments of like, you know, Oh boy. Okay. Well, this, this, this can really, this can really maybe be a thing, you know? Um, and, and then things kind of started to take off from there, you know? Who do you think is the funniest person you've worked with so far? Oh, uh, I, I mean, I don't cat People ask me that sometimes. Like I, I'm wondering I think if, if you're going out for a night of drinks people, and who, who do you want to hang out with? Oh, um, well, Lewis Black's really funny and Brian Regan, they're two good friends of mine and they're, they're really funny. I mean, they just, you know, they're funny even when they're not trying to be funny. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, Brian's just got this insane mind and Lewis has got just such a pointed, sharp point of view and attitude. Like they're both funny for different reasons, but they make me laugh a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm curious about the comedic lifestyle. I mean, you guys have different shows. Obviously, we're going to talk about some of the projects you're working on currently. But I mean, do you have any routines? How do you even get your day going with, with different jokes and, and skits you're writing? How does that happen? Well, um, there's always a lot to do during the course of the day. So, um, there's a, I mean, it's, it, there's emails to send, there's people they have to talk to meetings, phone calls. So now it's not just, it's not just about writing the comedy It's like all this other stuff around the business that I have to do. And so I basically, um, I basically, the writing kind of happens like I'll get ideas and then I'll sit down as I and and sort of spend, you know, spend a, a bit of time, a couple of hours or whatever it might be, kind of trying to work out some punchlines or whatever. But a lot of times the writing happens for me, like in the moment, like when I'm trying to do other stuff, you know, like uh, like as I'm going through my day, something will hit me and I'm like, oh, that's funny. And I'll kind of make a note of that and then I'll bring it on stage and I'll try to riff with it and improv improvise with it and stuff like that, you know? I mean, and so it kind of is a mix of like where I sit down and consciously write a joke, but also I just like stuff will come up in the middle of the day and, and I go, okay, that's so funny. And, or I might be not trying to write anything and something's going on and then I'll, it'll hit me. Oh, something funny will hit me and I'll just write that, make a note of it. So I'm constantly writing. I'm constantly open to ideas, you know? I mean, are you just looking for those ideas with whatever you see in life? Or do you actually sit down and say, hey, for the next hour, I'm going to try to figure out some comedy here? 
both, but more the more the former, like where I'm kind of just taking gotcha. life in and whatever hit me, hits me. Yeah, know? I mean, you're surrounding yourself with some pretty funny and creative people, so I'm sure those ideas are sparking you. What about, what are you working on right now? I know you have a show in LA tomorrow night. What's happening with that? Um, well, I got shows in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm gonna be uh, <clears throat> at a club called Rooster Tea Feathers. It's been around forever. It's this really great club out in just, uh, just south of San Francisco in San Jose area. And I'm going to be there, uh, you know, Thursday through Saturday. So folks in the area, they should come see me there. And then I've got a Broadway show that I'm doing. Uh, well, before I get to that, June 8th and 9th, I'm going to be at the Governor's Comedy Club in Levittown, Long Island. So uh, a lot of Italians and Jews out there. So those are my people. So come on out. We got a ton, we'll, uh, ton of Long Island listeners. So I'm sure they're going to be excited to hear that. Yeah, come on out and we can yell at each other and eat food. That's what <laughs> that's what that's what Italians and Jews do. And uh, that's June 8th and 9th, Friday and Saturday at uh, Governor's in uh, Long Island. And um, and then I've got a Broadway one-man show that I'm going to do starting in uh, July, July 16th, that I'm really excited about. And uh, it's a one-man show with me. It's not stand-up. It's completely improvised. And we're really, really, I'm really, really excited about that. That's How long like, have you been uh, working on that show for? Well, you know, it's not something, it's just sort of evolved over out of my performances. So I guess in a way I've been working on it for quite a while, but like not, I didn't sit down and write it as a specific idea and then develop it. It just sort of developed out of what I've been doing in my stand-up and everything else, you know? And, um, and so, uh, it's going to be at the Jerry Orbach theater at 50th and Broadway. And, um, and, uh, so people should keep an eye out for that. And, uh, and so I'm really, really excited about that. It's, uh, it's just a crazy, like to think about going from being, you know, what writing those jokes at the law firm to now I'm doing a show on Broadway. It's like, those are one of those moments you're like, Oh my God, this is really happening. You know what I mean? So I mean, it's cool just to see all of your artistic endeavors. I mean, you have your own podcast now, you mentioned the shows that you're currently in. I mean, you have a lot going on, so it's cool to see you going through the trenches and really grinding it out for a number of years to now having this successful career. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I mean, I am amazingly talented. No. Um, and, uh, and I, I basically, well, what ends up happening is, uh, you know, there's a, uh, and, uh, how can I put it? Um, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. I mean, I feel like, uh, I feel like, um, Well, what's the word I want to use? Um, there's a um, there's a thing that you do, right? Like when you're um, when you're sort of uh, I don't know when you're doing this kind of stuff, and and basically what happens is one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and so you just kind of just go, okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this wave and see where it goes. So same thing with like my podcast, I've had like. Paul guests like Paul McCartney and Stephen Colbert and Brian Cranston and Jay Leno and a lot of these big names, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I get these names, and um, and people are like, well, how do you get them? I'm like, I don't know. They, I'm some of people I know. Then they, you know, publicists come with guests, and you know, I it's just, and so I've been fortunate to kind of be surrounded by or work with like a lot of A-list people, and. And I didn't expect that to happen, but it sort of just seems to be kind of like a pattern. And so, you know, and from that other stuff comes. So like 
I think a lot of hard work kind of begets other other work, you know what I mean? Begets other opportunities, you know? Yeah, no, I'm a huge believer in that. Well, Paul, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you're going to be at Rooster Tea Feathers from Thursday, May 31st to uh, Sunday, June 3rd. So we'll definitely make sure all the uh, the San Francisco Bay Area people make it out and support you there. But I can't thank you enough for coming on What Got You There. Yeah, man, absolutely. And June, it's actually June 2nd. We, we're not going to do a Sunday show because I have to be back to work at the late show. But um, it's uh, the 31st to the 2nd and June 8th and 9th. Uh, I'm going to be at Governors in Levittown. And then, uh, uh, yeah, man, I'd love to come back. I'll talk to you about my uh, one-man show when it gets closer, too. That would be awesome. Yeah, would love doing that. Man, Paul, thanks again and best of luck coming up. All right. Thanks, man. Looking to freshen up your wardrobe for the summer season? Having trouble finding a brand whose products are functionally built to move and sweat in, but designed with a casual aesthetic aimed at everyday life? Then Viore is the clothing brand you've been looking for. Viore merges technical clothing with a West Coast vibe that looks and fits great. Viore's motto is built to move in, styled for life. They have a new perspective on performance apparel. Viore has incorporated innovative fabrics that feature anti-odor finishes, moisture wicking, and quick dry finishes. My favorite being Sea Cell, which is a sustainably sourced fiber that uses a blend of algae and wood pulp to create the most comfortable shirts you've ever felt. They really are. They're incredible. They're also anti-odor and filled with vitamins and nutrients that are released when you sweat. To receive 25% off, yes, that's 25% off your order, head to vioriclothing.com. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com and use discount code W-G-Y-T. If at any point you're unsatisfied with your purchase, send it back. That's 25% off your entire order with a 100% satisfaction guaranteed. VioriClothing.com, discount code WGYT for 25% off your order. If you're like me and love to travel, then listen up. Are you looking to get outside your comfort zone in 2018? Are you tired of the monotony of your nine to five job with no adventure? Do you want to connect with new people on Epic Adventures? If so, then Globekick is what you're looking for. Globekick is redefining travel for the millennial generation. Globekick knows that memorable travel is built on the quality of the experience you have and the people you connect with along the way. That's why their members can choose from curated travel experiences throughout the year with like-minded people. Unlike other travel providers, Globekick members get to know each other through a private social network before choosing when and where they travel together. In 2018, they've teamed up with partners around the world to feature a Sahara Desert camping trip out of Morocco in May, a boating journey through the Sandblast Islands in the Caribbean in August, and a volunteering trip to an elephant sanctuary outside of Cambodia in December. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then head to globekick.com and enter WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. That's globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. 
If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.